Hi, welcome to USA Fencing Coaching Education Podcast. I'm Sam Callen, your host. While the podcast is geared to coaches, I think many folks will find the topics of interest. Guests on the podcast will be fencers, coaches, club owners, and also for people from outside the fencing world who can contribute to improving coaching. If you have suggestions for a podcast topic or guest, please email me at s.callan at usafencing.org. That's s.callan at usafencing.org. Thanks, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's USA Fencing Coaching Education Podcast. Today I'm talking with Eric Holmgren, the owner of Griffin Fencing in Placentia, California. And uh, I wanted to get Eric on because a while back I'd heard uh, from another person in the office here that Eric has club has both fencing and archery combined. And I thought that's an interesting uh, pairing. I think they both have a certain uh, romantic uh, connotation to them and uh, going back to an age before firearms were common and things like that. So I think there's some interesting appeal to that, um, as well as the fact that archery uh, shares a building with us here in our national office. So uh, we're a little bit close to archery that way as well. Uh, Eric goes on and talks about his beginnings in fencing and how he discovered archery and also his uh, beginnings as a coach. Uh, Eric also talks about some other ways that he is getting fencing kind of out of the club and out to where people can see it and maybe drum up some interest in it, uh, both in doing things in uh, local parks where it's very public and also something at a local uh, brew pub, it sounds like, there in, uh, in near Placentia. So I hope you uh, enjoy. I hope the club owners out there can take a, maybe some tips from Eric and uh, help us expand this great sport. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast today. I've got Eric Holmgren, who is the owner of Griffin Fencing in Placentia, California. And I asked uh, Eric to join me on the podcast today because he has a really unique setup uh, of a fencing club. And I wanted to bring him on to share uh, some of the things that he's doing there. So, Eric, welcome. Thank you, Sam. I'm happy to be joining you today. Hey, Eric, before we get into the unique aspects of your club, how about discussing a little bit about how you got into fencing and some of your background? So I started fencing uh, at the University of California at Irvine in my senior year, uh, so back in 1987, um, and they had a club there, and um, I, I started doing it. I really enjoyed it and started doing some competitions here locally and then started working with a coach up in Los Angeles, Al Couturier. Um, and then in 1993, the gentleman who'd been the coach at uh, UC Irvine had left, and the club was kind of foundering, and uh, my wife said, uh, you need to go over there and start coaching. <laughs> and so I was sort of voluntold to start <laughs> coaching over at uh, the university. Now, I'd been, I was working at the time uh, in, uh, in the banking industry as a corporate trainer, so I knew about how to teach and how to coach, or not so much coach fencing, but at least teach people. Um, so for a long time, I was just imitating the lessons I was taking from Mr. Couturier. Uh, you know, earlier in the week, I was then just giving the same thing to my students at the university. Over time, though, I started to learn how it worked. And... Um, and, uh, and then when I got laid off in the early 2000s, I became a stay-at-home dad, and I would then meet uh, parents at the library in the park, and when they found out that I was still coaching at the university, 
they said, oh, that would be great. Could you teach my son fencing? Could you teach my daughter fencing? And the uh, university wouldn't let anybody in if you weren't a student or faculty. Of course. So I had enough people pestering me about it that I started offering some uh, fencing classes at the local church multipurpose room. And we grew from four fencers to 16 fencers to 70 fencers. And that's when we then uh, started a, a more formal club and moved into our facility in Placentia and started Griffin Fencing Club. Um, and that was back in 2010. Eric, how about telling folks where Placentia is if they are as geographically challenged as I can be when it comes to Southern California? 40 miles south of Los Angeles and about five miles from Disneyland. Um, so Placentia is a little... Uh, a little uh, town uh, kind of nestled uh, here right up against Anaheim and Orange, a couple of big cities here in, in uh, Orange County. So, Eric, one of the unique things about your club is that it, in addition to a fencing club, you also have archery in your club. Uh, how about telling folks how that uh, partnership came to be? So um, uh, my wife and I had both been uh, avid fencers and very competitive fencers, and so we would be oftentimes practicing uh, four or five days a week and then fencing once or twice on the weekend. And uh, one glorious spring Southern California day, I stepped out of the gym after a fencing match and said, what lovely weather, what a lovely, what am I doing inside the gym all the time? And so I'd, I'd, I was uh, talking to one of my uh, uh, teammates and I said, gosh, I want to try to do something outdoors. And he says, well, I'm doing archery. You want to come and join us? And so uh, we started doing archery, uh, my wife and I, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It got us outdoors. It got us doing something different. And what's kind of nice about archery is it kind of fits in with the, um, uh, for want of a better word, the sort of history uh, of war and combat in Europe. Uh, it yes. also has to fit in sort of with the romanticism of, you know, I watched, you know, Robin Hood and those kind of movies as a kid growing up. So it kind of appealed to me from that point of view. And then uh, you find that it, it requires good form and discipline and focus and concentration. So a lot of the same things that we have that we develop in, as fencers also apply uh, to us as as archers. Um, and so we enjoyed that. Um, I'm still the head coach over at UC Irvine. And so a number of years ago, uh, the university was asking me if I could start a archery program. And I had had to decline because I'd already started the, uh, uh, the fencing club here in Placentia. I was just too busy. Um, but then that got me thinking, oh, well, why don't we add fencing over, I mean, archery over at the, at the club? Um, and so I then got some materials together and uh, got trained through a USA archery program as a level two instructor. And then we started a, uh, an indoor archery program at the studio. And uh, it's been very successful. And one of the reasons why I wanted to add it to the schedule was there were some kind of quiet times at the studio where you know, we kind of hit the maximum or saturation for fencing students. And I was, I wanted to diversify the business a little bit. So that way we had 
maybe another activity so that way if someone came in and they tried fencing and they didn't like it, um, then here was another activity they could try instead. So I wouldn't like lose their business entirely. The other thing I noticed that oftentimes we'd have siblings that would come in and maybe one of the kids liked fencing, but the other one didn't like it. And so this was a way then to kind of have, keep the family involved because one might enjoy fencing and one might enjoy archery. Um, and so it's worked out very well that way. Um, and we've had, of course, um, uh, in the media, there's been lots of archery-related movies, uh, The Hunger Games and Brave and some of these other different ones that have come out. So we've had a lot of girls and young ladies who have become interested in archery. So we have a very large percentage of our archers are uh, female. Um, so it's been really good for us both financially, but also it's been a chance for us to develop our uh, athletes and 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 uh, students on another activity that one that I really enjoy. And Eric, I assume that you've had it um, kind of go the other way too, where archers may come in and look at it and go, "Wow, that fencing looks pretty cool. I think I'll give it a try." Well, what's been your experience in that area? Yeah, yeah, we've we've had it go both ways. Uh, we had uh, probably our, our the most uh, famous student we've had uh, from the studio is Jack Williams, who is now one of the top U.S. archers and, in fact, one of the top archers in the world. Uh, he started with us as a fencer, gosh, what, back maybe five, six years ago. And, uh, and then he uh, tried out archery and fell in love with it and has, you know, devoted basically – uh, most of his training time to that, and he's now uh, down at the Olympic Training Center and, and having great success at competitions. On the flip side, we had a young man who started with us, um, Andrew Chung, who um, started off as an uh, archery student, and uh, then he decided, oh, he wanted to try fencing. And then he switched over to fencing, and uh, he's been doing very well. He's gone to a lot of uh, local and, and national events and even some international events. I think he had fenced at the Pan American Games perhaps last year on the U.S. team. Um, so we've had it kind of go both ways <laughs> where people have tried it out. And that's what's kind of nice about it is, you know, not everybody uh, meshes with, with fencing. Um, there's different elements of the sport that – uh, you know, some people like, but some people don't like. And so archery has some different elements to it that people then can find appealing and vice versa. Um, and so being able to offer two different activities uh, means that uh, we have a, a wider audience that we can reach. And uh, uh, but the challenge is, of course, we, you know, we have to have things scheduled and uh, and then have the instructors who have the knowledge in order to teach both activities. Eric, tell folks a little bit about the setup, the scheduling, the type of space that you have available that you're able to pull off archery and, and fencing in the same area. Yeah, so our uh, the way our setup is, we have a, like a large warehouse type space. Um, and when we've got the archery going on, uh, for all the fencers who are listening to this, imagine that they're standing at one end of the strip and the targets and the target wall are down at the, the other end of the strip. And um, when when we're doing archery, we can't do any fencing. The, it's mm -hmm. not safe 
Um, and so therefore it's kind of exclusive. So when okay. the archery is taking place, there's no fencing taking place and vice versa. Um, what we've done uh, for our arrangement is we suspend like a ballistic netting uh, across the back wall of our facility. And then in front of that ballistic netting, then we, we uh, set up the targets that the archers then shoot at. And that way then if they miss the target bale, uh, then they, uh, the arrow would get caught um, in the ballistic netting that's behind it. And so that's how we then protect the wall and the you know, other equipment and things like that that are along that back wall. Um, and so that's how that system works. And that's typical for most indoor archery um, that is kind of a temporary. So for us, we set it up. We put up the netting. We roll the targets out. Um, when we're done, we take the netting down. We put the targets away. And, uh, and then we're ready to go for fencing. And uh, we have archery on three days of the week uh, as part of the regular schedule. Um, and when archery is over in the late afternoon, then the fencing kicks in. And then it's kind of reversed on Saturday morning. We have fencing classes on Saturday morning and then the archery class on Saturday afternoon. Well, and, and some places have the, the space to do both. So, for example, Lionheart Fencing down in San Diego, they have their space is kind of L-shaped. Um, so they have fencing on one leg of the L and then they can do archery on the other leg. And that way mm -hmm. then the, the two never, uh, never meet. Um, the one thing that we have done at our facility when we do have archery classes, we can do uh, some private lessons, but they tend to be in the back of the room um, behind uh, where the archers are standing and shooting. Sure. So that way everyone stays safe. But we always joke with the fencers that if they want to improve their uh, parry repost, they can stand down there and the, the, the archers will shoot at them and see how fast they can block the arrows coming at them. But that's always good for a laugh. Uh, well, and good. one other thing I thought I would mention to you yep. that, that oh, we've had a lot of fun with is with our summer camps. Uh, obviously, we've got summer camps that are focused just on teaching uh, fencing and we have summer camps that are just focused on teaching archery and we have one that we call our medieval camp where we teach a little bit of fencing a little bit of archery and then the kids build a catapult and it's one of the most cool. popular ones because it kind of as we say it kind of gets to that whole uh history and 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 sort of the romantic or or fun aspects of, um, of investigating that time period and being involved with activities uh, that are associated with the Middle Ages or associated with Robin Hood. Um, and so those are really popular summer camps. And plus, you know, for a lot of the summer camps, uh, it helps to break up the day. So sometimes yes. it's really hard for the younger kids to do six or eight hours of fencing because they're yeah. not physically up to it. But you can do, for example, we do fencing in the morning for about three or four hours. They take a lunch break, and then they do archery. Um, and because fencing is mostly stuff with your legs, and archery is mostly stuff with your arms and shoulders, it works out really well. The kids get a good balanced workout, but they don't get then overstressed on one um, area or another. And uh, plus, it's a lot of fun, and it kind of makes it fun for the instructors 
because they get to do more than just one activity. Um, and so that's that's been a very popular and successful sort of merger of the two group, uh, kinds of activities into one camp. Well, Eric, one of the really uh, things I love about what you've done is uh, that you get kids, give them a chance to sample a couple of different sports in this case. And I, I think by this time people know I'm a big fan of sports sampling and having kids try lots of sports to develop their athleticism, find that sport that they may fall in love with. Although I will say this, that for most of us, uh, it doesn't have to be just one sport. I've never seen a rule or law that says you can only play one sport for the rest of your life. Uh, at some point, obviously, if somebody wants to reach the highest levels, they have to specialize and, and choose that sport. But I really uh, salute you for how you have uh, given an opportunity for a club to uh, allow students to, to sample multiple sports. And at the same time, you as a club owner are reaping those financial benefits. We think how we invest in the stock market. You don't put all your money in, in one particular stock. You try to diversify. Play analogy. Yep. Yeah. And so to the extent that you can do that with your business is important. Um, so, you know, there was uh, sometimes, too, with our business where we had uh, an instructor coming in teaching Zumba in the mornings when we didn't have any other classes going on or coming in and using the space for other activities, for dance classes on Saturday nights. So to the extent that you can use that facility for things other than fencing, um, it's just going to help you business-wise. And then if there's a way for you then to retain people or upsell them, so to speak, with other activities or with other classes, um, that works out very well from a business point of view. Um, but one of the challenges that... that we're finding, and I think the U.S. Olympic Committee had put out a very good video dealing with this subject, is uh, sort of burnout with our athletes, mm -hmm. um, particularly our youth athletes. We've been doing so much specialization at an early age and uh, so much emphasis on the competition and high-level competition that finding that a lot of these are popping out and they're not just the sport. They're quitting all sport. Um, and so they get burned out doing whatever, you name it, lacrosse, fencing. They're not then switching from different sports. They're just fed up with, with sports entirely. And that's not good for uh, the health of our country. That's not good for the health of the, of the kids as they turn into adults. And so to the extent that we can mitigate this burnout, by doing something different, um, that's how I got involved with archery. I was kind of getting burned out with fencing, with all, and you know, all the stuff I was doing and all the competitions I was going to. And I, I looked outside and said, "I'm missing on, out on something." And yeah, so, especially that's in Southern California, how I got involved with archery as just a fun extra activity, just something different to do to break up, uh, you know, the routine of, of fencing and fencing competitions. Um, yeah. And so if, if it's happening to me and I love fencing, <laughs> and, you know, I know it's happening <laughs> to other people. And and the U.S. Olympic Committee has come to this realization. They crunch the numbers and they're seeing that that youth sports as a whole are are suffering. And uh, and they've identified uh, a major source of that being this uh, early specialization and uh, overemphasis on competition and, and just complete burnout with the kids at an early age. And it's a real shame. Eric, I'm totally on board with you about the uh, youth sports issue that we're facing and some of the work the USOC has done. 
And I'd like to point people to the USA Fencing website. And if they go to the coaches page on the resources list there, there are some links to uh, youth sports organizations such as Project Play. And some of the numbers are just astounding. Uh, about 70% of kids who play sports by the age of 13 are dropping out of sports. Uh, and that's all sports in general. And also that if, uh, in, in some cases, there are kids who just end up you know, finding out that they prefer theater or band or singing in the choir, whatever it may be, uh, and that's their preferred activity. And those are wonderful. My concern is, and you mentioned it too, is that it's the the active, the active, activity and the health of that person later on if they're not physically active. And, um, and so I commend you for recognizing that. And, you know. and one of the things that we do with our, our club is that we do have classes for adults. Um, so I know a lot of clubs in our area just focus on, on kids and teens, um, but we have classes and, and we cater to adults and for them, we're, we're kind of marketing it as a fitness activity. So fencing is a fitness activity. Um, so it's, it's obviously if they're interested in competition, that's great. But, uh, you know, for most adults, they get bored at the gym. And so fencing is something that's going to keep you engaged. It's going to keep you challenged. It's a good workout. Um, and there's been a number of studies that, you know, show the, the advantages of a sport like fencing, both for the physical element of it, but also the mental element of it. Um, and yep. so these are uh, you know, a great way for us and, and been very successful for us too, um, developing that with adults uh, getting involved in the sport. And Eric, I'll add another little uh, benefit to this besides the physical activity for the adults is um, is the socialization aspect of this. And this was driven home at uh, a NAC. The first NAC that I went to as a USA Fencing employee back in uh, either March or April of 2017. And I met this wonderful woman who was in her 60s and asked her how long she'd been fencing. And she said, you know, just a few years. Asked her how she got into it. And she said that she had, was widowed at the time and that she was looking for something to do and just happened to go by and uh, see a fencing class somewhere and thought that looks like something that would be fun. And she started fencing and uh, for the exercise as well as the socialization part of it. And there she was at a knack on the podium. Yeah, no, that's absolutely no. true. The social no. component of it is important not only for the adults, but for the kids too. that yes. building of camaraderie and teamwork. And, you know, if you think about it, a, a fencing club or an archery club, it's really a community of people. And yeah. uh, and that's kind of what we've developed here and why our club has been so successful is because we're really focusing on the community and we're really focusing on on uh, helping our students develop and find fulfillment and challenge in the sports of fencing and archery. Eric, one of the things we talked about before we started recording was some of the ways in which you're trying to grow fencing by taking it outside the club. Can you maybe elaborate on that or, or share that with the folks uh, who are listening? Sure, Sam. Um, one of the things that we've seen with the uh, popularity of, of various sports, particularly lacrosse, has taken off here in Southern California. Um, it went from a, from a little boutique type of sport. Now it's every high school's got a team. Um, we, what we want to try to do is see if we can't imitate uh, the success they've had with fencing. 
And uh, one of the ideas that we wanted to try to do is to get fencing outside of the building. So for a long time, fencing's kind of been this uh, traditional uh, idea. You're in a building, you've got all this equipment, you've got the scoring machines and the reels and all the rest. Now technology has advanced to the point where we have some other options that you can basically get out of that model. And, um, you know, one of the products that's that's helpful for that is, of course, the new wireless systems that are coming out that allow you to fence without having to have reels and floor cords. And the other thing, of course, is the virtual scoring machine system that's been out for a number of years now, the SM system that will run on any old laptop. Um, and so you can set that up in a park or you can set that up any place uh, than with a wireless system and you can do electric fencing. So the idea that we'd like to do is to put together a local league here through one of the city recreation departments that we work with um, to have uh, small teams, uh, maybe uh, six to eight kids that are being trained by uh, a parent as a volunteer coach um, and then another parent as an assistant coach, just like you'd have with, say, an AYSO soccer team. Um, have some inexpensive equipment for them to use to practice with. A lot of the basic moves that they would be learning, uh, you know, just just the basic that you need for a uh, few simple types of attacks or defensive things. And then having this uh, portable type of scoring system uh, would then allow uh, us to have events out on the school grounds or out in the park. Um, what's nice about that is many of these different facilities are available for not-for-profit type of groups uh, for a dollar a year, you know, rent. Um, and by getting out into where people are going to see you, uh, whether it's in the park or whether it's on the school grounds, um, that's going to then raise the profile for fencing. And the kids then who are exposed to it, if they enjoy it, then there are fencing clubs in the area that they can then go to and continue to train. Um, or it might just be the sort of thing that they do just to try it out and get exposed to the sport. So this is something that we're looking to try to roll out here next year. Of course, it works for us here in Southern California because we have good weather. Um, <laughs> but there, it's, there's, I'm sure there's other times of the year in other places where you would have the opportunity to practice outdoors or to do something outdoors. Um, and so just getting out in the public and showing fencing off, uh, I think would be huge for growing the sport. And if you get enough people who are interested in it early enough, um, then that starts to put demand on, say, the middle school or the high school to start to offer a fencing program. Um, whether it's a club or whether it's a team, um, that's kind of what's happened here with, uh, with lacrosse here in Southern California. There were enough kids doing it, and they started to put pressure on the schools to start to offer that as a competitive program, and then it's just snowballed from there. Well, Eric, uh, that sounds great for Southern California, but other parts of the country, uh, you know, weather becomes a, or inclement weather becomes much more of an issue on that. Yeah, but yeah, what I what I was trying to get to was it's it's uh, by having the type of equipment or systems that can be portable and easy to set up and use, it can get fencing out of the traditional box of the fencing cell. Absolutely. I mean, what's to stop you from going and having 
a fencing match or a demonstration in the local mall. Exactly. You know, it's snowing outside. Great. Let's go fence at the mall. You know, let's go to the local rec center. Let's go. You know, so technology is going to allow fencing to to get out in a wider venue than it's been. It's kind of been trapped inside the the building, and so uh, being able to get out and 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 do more, I think, will help only help the sport. And totally so I, Yeah. Yep. And so. I, I think we need to get away from this mindset of it's got to be in this in this building, it's got to be in the club, it's got to be in the south, and instead go out and take to the the universe. Well, and the other thing along the along that vein, uh, you know, we we have here in the Orange County area a number of of great uh, beer pubs uh, and and breweries, and so one of the things that we've been doing is going out and with our adult fencers and doing a fencing match in the beer pub. Uh, so we just did that this last weekend. We took one of the VSM systems. We took a wireless system and we did a relay to 45 team match uh, right there in the brew pub. And we had the patrons were, were watching the fencing and asking questions about it. And of course we got to sip a little beer <laughs> between bouts and it was just a lot of fun. And that's the sort of thing that I think this, this, these new technologies will allow us to do. But you have to kind of get creative and go yes. out and talk to the local business owners and, and, uh, and put together your little uh, tavern fencing group um, and, uh, and go from pub to pub and do some fencing. And so it's a lot of fun. But that's just one example of, of uh, one of the activities that we've done. Now we want to try to do that, and I think other fencing you know, clubs should consider it as a way of getting outreach and letting people know that the sport exists. Eric, I'm a uh, craft beer lover, and so the idea of, of blending uh, fencing and craft breweries has uh, is got me very excited here. And I, I really like the way that you have uh, you know, expanded out and gotten very creative with this, and I hope that this can uh, change other people's uh, thoughts on uh, how to promote fencing change our mindset and and kind of look at the uh, uh, opportunities that are available with the new technology you know obviously with social media and then to try to partner with with different businesses to to get it out um, and and expose the sport to a wider audience um, and it'll only help the clubs from a financial point of view. Yes. Um, and that's going to then help the sport overall to raise our profile because there's no reason why we should not have, you know, more fencing clubs and, and, and more fencing activity. You know, if a sport like as obscure as lacrosse had been 10 years ago is now this major activity in, in all the schools, uh, why isn't fencing? Yeah. And so a big part of it is just we've got to develop more fencers and then develop fencing coaching. Um, and then the only way to do that is get more people involved in the sport. And so uh, I, I would encourage everyone who's listening to put your little thinking caps on <laughs> and see what you could do in your local community to, uh, to, to have some fun. And to try to try to develop the sport and, and get it out in front of more people. No, Sam, I, I think we've hit on most of the salient points. I would only say that if any of the folks listening wanted to try to get in touch with me uh, directly to get advice on or 
or some recommendations regarding maybe uh, archery equipment or setting up an archery program at your fencing club, uh, I'd be more than happy to talk with them one on one. Or if they want to talk with me about any of these different fencing ideas or some of the different wireless technologies, uh, I'd be happy to chat with them about that too. So I, I want to see the sport grow. I think that um, we as fencing coaches need to collaborate with each other, not only um, you know with, to develop the sport and our own local clubs, but also to uh, you know, develop it in our communities and around. So we shouldn't look at each other as, as rivals. We should look at each other as, as collaborators to try to help it. It, it only will help uh, us um, and the sport to grow. So I'm at anyone's service if you have any questions or need some recommendations. Eric, once again, thank you for sharing your enthusiasm and your thoughts with everyone. And I hope you have a great day. You're welcome. Thank you, Sam. Hey, this is your host, Sam Callen, once again, thanking you for joining us for today's podcast. Once again, if you have suggestions for topics or guests, please email me at s.callen, that's C-A-L-L-A-N, at usafencing.org. And I also want to thank Lee Rosevere. The music you hear on the intro and that I'm talking over right now is provided by Lee. He does that for podcasts for free. So if you're interested, please uh, Google him. It's uh, Lee, L-E-E, Rosevere, R-O-S-E-V-E-R-E. And uh, join us for our next podcast. Thank you.